Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to The Buzz. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. Seems like yeah. it's been a minute since I've been on here. <laughs> well, you've been we, we've been calling it, you've been on assignment uh, for yes. a hard-hitting industry story. Is that right? Yes, uh, the su- the supply chain of the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So we got to start there because it's Super Bowl week. You got the Chiefs and the Eagles. Of course, you're a, a longtime uh, Chiefs fan that is enjoying this incredible run they're on. Uh, your thoughts for this coming weekend? Uh, uh, cautiously optimistic. I mean, I want to say, you know, we talked about this before we came on, Um Every time we face a new defense, they say it's the best defense in the league. This one might actually be. I, I didn't believe ever, that, and I think we talked about this too, that San Francisco was the best defense because we stomped their guts out early in the season. <laughs> but we haven't had a chance to play the Eagles, and they don't depend on defense because they have a great quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So um, if we were playing in Kansas City – I'd be a lot more confident because the fans in Kansas City can melt down just about any quarterback. But it's going to be a relatively neutral crowd. Philly fans travel well, I'm sure. So if I was in Philly, I'd want to get out. So, (laughs) and especially to Phoenix. (laughs) Well, folks, hopefully uh, you are going to be uh, getting with your friends and family members and and enjoying the Super Bowl. And uh, Greg, I'm sure you will too. And we're going to, we're going to, uh, hear all about it, especially come next week uh, as we perhaps revel in, I don't want to jinx anything, but a certain Midwestern team's win. How about that, Greg? So uh, one of the biggest um, Chiefs fan clubs in America is right here in Atlanta. They meet at the Hudson Grill, and the grill has dedicated the entirety of its, I think, 1,100 capacity to the Chiefs for the wow. Super Bowl. No Philly fans allowed. Man, how about that? Well, we're looking forward to a great game regardless. And hey, looking forward to a great Supply Chain Buzz episode here today where, as you all know, uh, every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, Greg and I walk through some of the leading stories really across global business, global supply chain, you name it. We've got a, a variety of news and developments today. It's going to be a big big tech uh, uh, theme uh, throughout the day, as as frankly, as there is oftentimes when you talk about supply chain these days. I wore my vintage tech t-shirt in honor of it. <laughs> Yeah, most Love people it. probably never even knew this company existed, <laughs> but it's a good example of how to make $40 million. Uh, not me, the founder. Uh, I was about to say, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, right. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, but get ready. We want to hear from you as well, and we're going to we're gonna uh, share y'all's perspective throughout the hour. Um, on a side note, on a very serious note, uh, of course, our team's collective thoughts and prayers are certainly with the good people of Turkey and Syria in wake of those devastating earthquakes that took place um, over the last uh, 12 hours. So, Greg, just uh, some um, horribly heartbreaking imageries come out of uh, the earthquakes, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, 2,300 people have perished already is, wow. was the last I heard, and that was earlier this morning. So it's a serious earthquake. 
um, yeah. So folks find ways. There'll be plenty of organizations, nonprofits that will be getting aid that, in that direction. So uh, join us in, in, in helping to support those for sure. Um, now on a much, much, much lighter note, uh, I want to share a couple of programming items here. Um, Greg, over the weekend, we published our latest with that said, and we focused yeah. on uh, black history month. Um, and really, um, one of my favorite parts of that newsletter focused on, uh, Dr. King's, um, letter from Birmingham jail. And, um, some folks may not know that that was his response to, uh, I think it was eight members of the clergy there in Birmingham, um, took a, a, um, a letter out in the local newspaper to oppose some of the protests that Dr. King was leading. And he crafted his response there in jail. And we've got that iconic image of him, um, you know, deep in thought behind bars. Just, it's just, I know it's been a long time, but man, we cannot, can't remember these lessons we've learned years ago. Your thoughts quick, Greg. Uh, well, that, that incident and frankly, Dr. King's crusade in, in particular, I think was just so perfectly founded. I mean, mm. um, you know, take action, peaceful action, right? Don't, um, and and you know take action to make yourself equal right don't complain about being unequal which i think was an important statement for him to make and the um it, it was the foundation of of what he was trying to do so yeah. cut way too short agreed folks if you haven't yet man read um, read what he composed there in Birmingham yeah. jail. It really is. Um, it's, it's captivating. Um, okay. Uh, also coming up, uh, in other programming news, uh, we've got a new webinar coming up March 21st. Greg, this is different than so many others. Whenever I say that, I always think of that little skit on Sesame street back in the eighties. I can't remember that tune, but it pointed at one thing was different. This is a different webinar for us, right? We're focused. One of these things is not like the other. Yes, that's it. Yeah. That is it. There's a jingle there. I do know the tune, but I, there is no way. There is no way. <laughs> well, folks, uh, March 21st, we are focused on a great webinar session, five tips for creating effective, successful, uh, captivating digital content. And Greg and I are going to be joined by our dear friend, Ursula Ringham with SAP and Brandy Boatner. Uh, with IBM, two legendary figures uh, in for, in my book, at least. Uh, so tune in for that conversation, Greg. Everyone, uh, whether you're in Hollywood, whether you're in global supply chain, who isn't creating digital content these days, huh? Well, and, I mean, the webinar, it's funny because that was sort of the genesis of supply chain now, right? Educational, and in, in many cases now, particularly for, I mean, when I think about the supply chain, particularly for service providers, and technology providers, um, and even you know other 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 kinds of services throughout the industry, it's how they get their word out. Because you know the statement <laughs> I, early in my in my career when I was selling printing of all things, <laughs> um, you want to talk about a competitive industry? Oh, I walked boy. into a fellow's office and he had a sign on his desk that completely enunciates why you need to get the word out and why it's so valuable to have um, industry experts to do that. And the sign said, I don't know you. I've never heard of your company. Now, what is it you wanted to sell me? <laughs> right. And that's, oh. the, that is the plight of virtually every company out there. I mean, if you're not SAP, I mean, even, even if, even SAP is doing it, 
So if, if you're not SAP, you have almost no voice. And this is a great, the webinar is a great opportunity, but you got to do it the right way. And we have done it, what, 25 or so times in the last year. So let us show you how. Yeah. Well said, Greg. Well said. And man, if I could be a fly on the wall back in those days uh, when you were repping the printing industry, but we'll save that for another show. That dude read me the riot act. I'll tell you what, it made me a better salesperson mm. and I got the business, believe it or right. not. I still don't know how, but <laughs> mean people like me, I think. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, everybody likes Greg White. So y'all folks, y'all join us on March 21st. I promise you, you'll walk away uh, informed, uh, educated, uh, entertained. Of course, we welcome your feedback. Yeah, and you know we got nothing to sell. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Greg, before we get into our first news story, let's say hello to a few folks uh, across yeah. the ecosystem here. Josh, good morning from Seattle. He also uh, congrats to your hot spurs, Greg. I think they must have won over the weekend. Yeah, thank you. I'm not as attentive a fan right this moment. Um, <laughs> kind of preoccupied. Yeah, a little bit preoccupied right now by the <laughs> more proximate football. But uh, but also, Josh, how about a weather report? That's right. There, so. uh, Catherine? Uh, over on YouTube, happy buzz day to you as well. Folks, YouTube is a great channel, easy channel. You know, you may not have one of the other social channels that uh, that we live stream across. YouTube's easy and easy for everybody. And where a ton of people are are taking in their podcasts too. I mean, that's right. It's kind of like the old days when you could peek into the radio studio, right? Where you can see them just talking into the mic. I still, I'm not sure I understand or get the <laughs> attraction there, but that's what people are doing. It's pretty cool. All right. So I'm going to, you, you have, you've kind of triggered a memory for me. My mom is with us here today. Lee Luton. Hello from Aiken and go chiefs. I told you, Greg. Uh, Thanks mom. Um, <laughs> great to see you, Bob. Well, so um, my dad used to be on the communications committee of our church growing up. And they would take uh, um, the, the previous Sunday's sermon and they'd get the tape right to do all the editing. Uh, and it was a real tape. And yeah. then we would take that to the local radio station, uh, the physical tape, and then they'd play that, um, I don't know, a few, few days later. And I would be sent in as an errand, one of my chores, uh, occasionally with the tape. And get it, and I'd walk right past that window you described with the DJs in there. And I hand it to the program director. And I had forgotten about that until what you just shared. So who knows? Uh, maybe I was born into uh, being a communications uh, and, and digital media guy. I don't know what, Greg, what do you think? Oh, unquestionably. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I had a job uh, um, where I worked at a radio station and our window into the studio faced the parking lot. So people would come out and... Um, try to entertain us by doing stuff in our parking lot while on the air. Really? And yeah. And it was funny. So, um, I got in trouble with Rod Stewart's promoter, the singer, <laughs> Rod Stewart, really, because he, he canceled a concert uh, purely out of inconvenience, I think for him or something. And everyone was angry about it. So I was like, Hey, if you want to protest Rod Stewart, come down to K I C T 95. <laughs> and people, they painted his face on a soccer ball and kicked it around the parking lot. Really? And yeah. That's, that's one of the things I almost got fired for. I got fired for two other things, but yeah. <laughs> man, yeah. I could see you. Uh, you had a knack 
I can see you being a DJ, Greg. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to sit down and and really interview you on all those that earlier part of your journey. Those were the manual boards too, man. right? Right. The analog boards. Woo. One last thing, and and folks, uh, sorry to nerd out on, on some on memories here, but you know, speaking of that age, uh, my dad and the communications committee would reuse those tapes, and they had a device, and I, I don't know how the anything worked, but they plug it in. It made this sound and, and they would, they would erase those tapes with some kind of like magnetic device. So yeah. they could reuse them. So we've come a long way. Goodness wow. gracious. Since then. How about that? Um, okay. Uh, good. I know we're getting behind uh, folks. Welcome everybody. Brandy's in Houston. Great to see you. Jonathan from Louisiana. Great to have you here. Uh, Chris Stout uh, from Chicago, the great city of Chicago. Chris, great to see you. Yeah. Uh, Gino is back with us. Uh, good to see Mr. White. I agree yeah, with you, Gino. Good to be black. Back. Back, <laughs> back, back, back. <laughs> is a big Eagles fan. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey, good luck to your team, uh, as always. We dropped a lot of links. Not too good of luck, though. <laughs> True. That's right. We dropped a lot of links, folks, for checking out those things we mentioned earlier. Uh, Tom Rafter, good to see you here today. Congrats on you being um, uh, making the list that you were sharing earlier today. Uh, and it is sunny in Seville, south of Spain. All right, wonderful. Uh, oh, Josh, 44 and rainy up there in Seattle, seven degrees Celsius. Look at him using the metric system and everything. Thank you, Josh. He's on it. He knows who our audience is. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, Greg, you ready to get to work? Yes. All right, let's get to our first story here. Folks, I wish I had better news, but uh, we're going to give you the news regardless of what it is. We're going to start with my beloved industry, love manufacturing. Um, as reported by Reuters, the U.S. manufacturing industry uh, constra uh, contracted rather once again in January. So according to data from the Institute for Supply Management, a.k.a. ISM, many, many of y'all folks may be familiar with that, the manufacturing industry has contracted three straight months and the numbers in January reflected its worst number since May 2020. So some uh, almost three years ago now. Wow. Mm. As part of the data, ISM also publishes a new factory orders metric, which has decreased five straight months now. So some of the usual suspects are at play for sure. Lessening demand for goods. Everybody's heard that a thousand times. In part fueled, though, by those interest rate hikes. Mm -hmm. uh, the stronger dollar, of course, has an impact on exports, making them less competitive in the, in the international market, amongst other things. Greg, love to get your take on what we're seeing maybe in the manufacturing industry. Well, uh, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of this is driven by automotive, of course, and they have caught up with demand with a vengeance. Um, and demand has tailed significantly. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's important to note is that uh, whether we're going to face a recession, uh, or not generally in the economy, people are starting to treat it like that. Mm. I mean, it was long ago that the upper crust slowed their spending pretty dramatically, but that's such a small portion of um, of commerce that it didn't make a huge impact. But you can see it every day now. People are tired of $13 eggs. Let's just put it that way. Right. <laughs> right. And, um, and cars had gotten quite expensive. Uh, I had seen even before the end of the year discounts right? Ad advertisements for discounts on cars starting to come back. And of course, the lead times for European cars are significant here and, and Asia, let's just say foreign cars are significant to get here. And as they catch up and demand tails, it's the classic whiplash effect 
Um, and it's not just cars, right? It's all, all sorts of things that are, um, that are facing the downturn. So, yeah, agreed. Uh, by the way, folks, uh, speaking to those $13 eggs, Greg mentioned, we've got a great episode. We're going to be publishing up on the podcast, uh, later this week or maybe early next, uh, I interviewed someone that spent almost 30 years in the food industry, including a big chunk of that uh, at Whole Foods, where, um, and he is in the know. You, you won't believe everything that goes into the egg industry, all the segmentation and, and the layering. So stay tuned. Y'all check out Supply Chain Now, wherever you get your podcast from for that episode. Um, speaking of helpful perspective and expertise, Greg, we've got a great show coming up. Uh, Wednesday, we were just talking about the manufacturing industry. ISM mm-hmm. does great work uh, publishing data, data-driven perspective there and what's going on. Well, similarly, U.S. Bank publishes outstanding data and perspective every quarter called the Freight Payment Index. And Bobby Holland with U.S. Bank and Enrique Alvarez with Vector Global Logistics are joining us to talk about what's going on in the domestic freight market. Greg, should be a great conversation as always, right? Yeah, I mean, the you know, the data that they compile is impeccable. And of course, I think they do, what is it, over $30 billion worth of transactions just on uh, domestic freight. So wow. it'll be really interesting to see how things have changed. Uh, if I recall correctly, it wasn't that long ago that we were saying, no, we're not in a freight recession. In fact, uh, a few analysts said emphatically. We are not in and we are not headed for a freight recession. Right. So, again, not an economist, but right (laughs) as often as they are. So, um, which is almost never. So, um, yeah, I think it is going to be interesting because this will be something that I I think uh, signals a bit of, you know, a bit of of a balance in, in the economy. Right. right. I think we're coming back to sanity in in some regard. We're not up against big numbers from the pandemic. Right. Um, there aren't all of these additional restrictions and things like that. It's more back to the usual things. But that doesn't mean that the disruption cease because and I think that's important for people as they watch this next uh, presentation around the freight payment index is that disruption is supply chain. Right. Supply chain is disruption. And it's important to understand that the disruptions that we talk about very often occurred before the pandemic. It's just that nobody gave a damn before the great toilet paper crisis <laughs> right. of 2020, right? Oh, man. Oh. Nobody cared about supply chain. And, and frankly, <laughs> supply chains were um, able to kind of shield themselves by not being known. Ask your point. So, but it's a different world now. It really is a different world. So it's it's a new perspective more than a new age of disruption. Though you hear a lot of pundits out there saying there's more disruption than there's ever been. I mean, come on, guys. It's always been wars. That's right. But ever ever drunk or whatever that ship was called was never <laughs> was not the first ship to get stuck in the Suez Canal, right? We've had freezes before and since in Texas that have impacted demand, all of those things have always occurred. Yep. Right. World has certainly changed permanently in many regards. Makes me uh, always, always brings you back to the great philosopher, Michael Stipe. It's the end of the world as I know it. 
and yeah. and I feel fine. Um, <laughs> so, hey, a couple uh, speaking of eggs, eggs got a lot of attention right now. Glormar says when we thought that Easter during COVID was bad, thirteen dollar egg carton that is making this Easter. The worst. Now get this. And what's our alternative? Plastic eggs. Well, right? so either pollute the planet, right? Right. at least they're reusable. Right. Plastic eggs are reusable. Well, Amanda says we might be hiding potatoes for the kids uh, this year, uh, for the kids. Um, and Josh, the only constant is change. Well said. True. As always. Okay. So, folks, join us Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern time. Uh, the team has dropped a link there. By the way, big thanks to Amanda and Catherine for making production happen, as always. Greg, we're going to move right along. Uh, we have got an interesting, I think, interesting story here. You know, your popular supply chain commentaries, which you do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This this generated a lot of, um, uh, a lot of uh, feedback on this one. Yeah. So, we're talking warehouse safety as Amazon is once again in the news for safety violations at its facilities. Greg, tell us more. Well, I'm going to say something that uh, people probably haven't thought of in terms of this. This is supposed to be an expose sort of slam article on Amazon. But frankly, for the quant, for the value of the penalties, it's a relatively low uh, percentage, which means I think that Amazon is actually doing better. And they're, they've committed $300 million to improving safety in their warehouses. And a lot of that includes automation. So, you know, they have, they have several warehouses that are virtually lights out. They're 2 million, 2 million square foot facilities where six human beings work and the rest is done by robots. So, of course, safety is a big concern. Um, I'm not saying, by the way, that Amazon is handling it completely or as even as as impactfully as they should, but I feel like they're going the right direction. And the truth is, the generational change that we're going through in in um, fulfillment and warehousing in general is going to contribute significantly that to that because your our generation, Gen uh, Y millennials and and Gen Z, they don't want these jobs, right? Because they are dark, dirty, dangerous, and dull. And um, and even if only marginally dangerous, right? Why would humans continue to do things that automation can do faster, more effectively, cheaper in often cases, more reliably for right. sure, because robots don't get sick um, or stoned. And um, it's a warehouse. I mean, it happens. <laughs> you've, you've, you've worked in a warehouse um, or hungover. Let's just call it hungover. How about that? Okay. Um, never called in hungover, but I have wanted to, um, <laughs> but I think that there's a, there is a, we're in a, a good place to create a transition that allows human beings to elevate their performance by doing things that are either automation assisted or that are completely outside of automation and let automation do the dark, dirty, dangerous, and dull jobs in a warehouse. So um, I, I know this is going to shock you. I'm, I actually applaud Amazon for the significant effort that they've put into it. They're trying to cut their cut um, injuries by fifty percent uh, by twenty twenty five. Yep. So, and clearly, considering the number of workers and facilities that they have, um, that's 
that's going to be a significant impact because for these types of fines, which are relatively low, they must not be having many incidences. Now, look, we don't need to pretend either. And this is part of the article that I, and I address this in, in my commentary. We don't have to have to pretend either that Amazon or any other company addresses safety out of altruistic purpose. But now, I mean, you can see it's not even about the dollar impact. If you look at this article, the dollars are minuscule, but the impact to the brand equity, right, and the brand uh, reputation is substantial. So if only to protect their brand reputation, which is worth billions, maybe trillions of dollars, um, they will do it. And as I closed the article with and Kelly Barner and I and others had a discussion about, we don't care why you do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if it if it improves their profit and improves the livelihoods of their workers, then go for it. As long as it improves the livelihood of the workers and the safety of the workers, I think we should applaud it. Yep. You know, uh, you mentioned the $300 million investment that Amazon committed to or announced, I think it was June 2022, uh, and their goal of trying to reduce injuries in half by 2025. I think you hit on both of those. I didn't realize the other point of this article that uh, by Supply Chain Dive, great, great, great work they do, um, is where they were in spring of 2022. Now, this study was put together by labor unions. We all know the angles involved there, but still. Right. It's an excellent right. They reviewed OSHA data and their findings showed that Amazon's injury rates at its warehouses were about twice that of non-Amazon facilities. So to Greg's point, they're putting, you know, they're putting taking action, investing, and we'll see, we'll see the progress they make over the next uh, few years. So good stuff there. We have to acknowledge that because the unions are pressing hard on Amazon to be completely unionized, that right. there may be a little bit of cognitive bias to this report and of course there is an agenda behind it regardless of it yep just remember folks there are lies there are damn (laughs) lies and then there's statistics (laughs) oh boy all right so moving right along moving right along and folks again we're dropping links to all of that including uh links to greg's amazon commentary again you can find greg on linkedin every monday wednesday friday uh, and we'd love to get your take. You know, those comments are full with go- golden nuggets. They are. I mean, you can learn as much from the commentary, from the comments, frankly, as you can from my commentary. That is an absolute fact. That's right. That is not a damn lie. Okay. <laughs> so let's switch gears. So I'm looking forward to really picking, you know, we've got a, um, Greg brings a ton of tech expertise to the table. Um, and not just here every Monday at 12 noon all the time. Uh, so, our friends at CNET, uh, Greg, say Google will be roll- Google will be rolling out its answer to a little little thing y'all may have heard of by now, Chat GPT. So Google's <laughs> Google's rolling out its alternative uh, competitor to that in the next few weeks. Now, if you've got a pulse, as I kind of alluded to, you've undoubtedly heard all about Chat GPT just about every hour of the day in the last few months. It was launched. A little background here. It was launched by OpenAI in late 2022, and the pace of adoptions and applications have really been dizzying. It's been used to pass Wharton MBA exams, like our friend Enrique Alvarez. We'll have to get his take on that. Uh, judges, so you know, judges and courts have used ChatGPT to draft their judici- judicial opinions. Even hmm. the Associated Press, Greg, 
has recently used ChatGPT. I wish that was a little easier to say for me to draft a state of the union speech to see how AI would communicate in contrast to the leader of the free free world. Um, hmm. Now, one last thought. I'm get, looking forward to getting your take here. Google has been navigating a more challenging landscape recently, and company leaders say that investments in AI is a big part of Google's future, such as its Lambda. Uh, also, uh, that is the language model for dialogue applications, aka Lambda. All right, so right. Greg, we we you know let's cut through all this you know, PR and executive speak. What's going on with Chat GPT and Google's efforts to offer an alternative. Yeah, well, I think uh, first let's acknowledge that only weeks ago did a Princeton student uh, create an algorithm that can identify AI-generated text, which ah. must be really smart because I've seen some chat GPT text, and it is fluid. It is um, concise. I mean, it, it is very well-written, much better written than I am spoken um, or written, <laughs> by the way. And um, and I have not used it, which should be obvious by <laughs> looking at anything I've written. Um, and, and, and now OpenAI has come out with something that can identify that as well. So that's a pretty smart move on their part, right? Because what happened was college students flooded to cheat on their exams and, and use AI to write write these articles. Um, and of course, Google, um, seeing the popularity of this has come out with this. I hope this is uh, more like Gmail than uh, whatever Google's social network was, which was an <laughs> abject disaster. Mm. Not only from a perform, um, not only from a, 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 a simulation by the, by humans, but also it was a terrible, terrible system. So I hope that Google's is, is much better. But the truth is the real genius behind this is this thing called generative AI, hmm. where the, the, the AI can learn so fast from reference materials that it can be as knowledgeable as a human um, in a matter of moments after, after re reading whatever knowledge, articles, whatever is out there in cyberspace because it can literally go through everything and identify the most salient most salient or at least the most popular points because it's already been being deemed for being highly biased based on on some things i'm not sure exactly what but highly biased based on the predominance of a certain type of message out there where as the secondary message may be more accurate or balanced right mm. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a lot of work to do there, but the, this generative AI learns so very fast that particularly in supply chain, this allows us to put things together, right? If a truck got to Detroit full of cigarettes and left Detroit empty of cigarettes, it could, it may be able to fill in the blanks as to who offloaded the cigarettes in the middle of the night and where might they have gone to. Ah, <laughs> um, so, I mean, seriously, I mean, that's a fun, but attention getting example. Yep. That's exactly the kind of thing that it can do, right? It could say that these goods are predominantly made or this cotton is predominantly um, harvested in China. China 
predominantly or almost solely uses slave labor to do that. Ergo, this is slave labor product and therefore should not be shipped to the U.S. or cannot be, frankly, shipped to the U.S. because mm. custom standards in the U.S. So it can start to identify those kind of things in your supply chain and not just not just bad actors, mm. right, but who might perform less effectively or more effectively or filling in gaps. If you have, if you have a, sh a ship point here and a receiving point here, you must have a transportation facility or, you know, means in between those two. Right. What is that? And it can start to infer what that is and yep. learn it, maybe even nail it. Right. Oh, it's Billy Bob's trucking. Is who goes between these two points. Well, it sure will be an interesting time uh, in, in the weeks and months to come as we see more and more um, artificial intelligence applications, meaningful, real AI-driven solutions to problems, uh, old and new, uh, out across global supply chains. So I appreciate your take, and I'll share a couple of... Um, Jonathan's particularly, uh, I'd love to address that. Yeah, uh, let's see, we'll, we'll get there. T-Squared holds down the Fort Force on YouTube. Ain't nothing new under the sun, he says. Great to see you here. Uh, Tom's used chat GPT. And it was amazing initially. Now, because of its popularity, it's heavily throttled, leading it to far less success, uh, useful. And if you're not already a member, you can't join. Right. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, T-Squared chia seeds are the egg substitute if you're into that approach. All right. Uh, Gino put some uh, interesting take uh, there, uh, a link there. Y'all check that out. Jason, great to see you, Jason. I've seen professors incorporate chat GPT into their syllabi to encourage students to familiarize themselves with AI technology, but not to rely mm -hmm. on it and always fact check, Jason says. Love that. And then there was one that you, um, Jonathan here. Jonathan says, maybe tongue in cheek, maybe it'll get my forecast right. So it won't. And, and let me tell you why that is. Because it can only refer to the um, knowledge that exists today. And I think we all know that that is the fatal flaw of forecasting today is we are forecasting the wrong thing using ancient methods, literally, literally ancient methods. I mean, the most recent methods we're using have been adapted from forecasting methods from most recently, 1903. That's 1903 wow. AD. So um, while there are adaptations, of course, that have have advanced, we're still forecasting the wrong thing. We're forecasting items based on history, not forecasting those who will consume those items or select those items based on the influences that cause them to do so. So all you will get is a faster, horrible forecast. <laughs> Um, so, and I think that's a good point to the point that I made earlier around, it can only select from the text that exists. So chat GPT cannot represent new or innovative or even disruptive ideas because there won't be enough data around or enough, um, commentary around those ideas to adapt that. So even generative AI won't be able to create an AI that forecasts consumers and their influences mm. that will have to come from actual mathematicians there are very few jobs where we can say um, humans will never be replaced but that sort of innovation seems to escape ai at least for now i won't at say least. never that's right at least for now at least for now and folks anytime we talk neck deep on ai 
It always remind, brings me back to the great movie from 2013 called Her with Joaquin Phoenix. If you haven't seen that, oh my gosh. Yeah. and the ending is just so, it'll make you think. Um, and Gino, thank you for dropping that link. I think I read through that earlier today, and it was a good read per uh, Tom, his comment above. So y'all check out that link. And I'd, I'd forgotten about this, Greg. You mentioned Google's social media. I'd forgotten, as Tom pointed out, Google+. Plus. <laughs> I never used yeah, it. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. Awful. Tom, Tom, did you ever join that? I mean, I think I tried, but I, it just it never took off. Did you, Scott? Did you ever nope. join? I don't think I did. And, and it never really took off. I mean, well, it's kind of like the clubhouse thing, on some similar notion, kind of like clubhouse. I think I was on one clubhouse uh, my the entire time. I think Paul Noble from Barrison, one of our dear friends, invited me. And uh, it was all the rage. I mean, it was everywhere, everywhere you turn around. For about two weeks. And we don't hear it so much. Do you know that Twitter put out a version of Clubhouse? Um, ah. I forgot what they call it. Twitter rooms or. Really? Yeah. Well, Tom says he did join and it was a hot mess. I, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to make it useful. And it just never, never reached an adoption level that, that would allow allow it to evolve. Yep. It, I mean, and it is common, by the way. Google has a history of doing sort of Johnny-come-lately half-assed projects like that that never get off the get off the ground. But then again, they're also making a pile right. on advertising, <laughs> as Tom says. Uh, um, all right. So, folks, by the way, we're going to move on to the next uh, story here. Let us know any creative applications especially those that really work with impact that you've seen chat GPT uh, applied to. I'd love to get your thoughts, what you're mm -hmm. saying. Okay. So Greg, we're going to stick with tech here. We're going to stick with tech because um, I want to pick your brain here. And, and of course, we're all very familiar. Painfully, we've got many friends in the industry that have been caught up in these rolling layoffs that have uh, impacted various aspects of the job market, in particular, the tech industry. But yeah. Hey, there's some good news. Um, in this article, Gilly Malinsky, I think I think I said that right, at CNBC, says that despite what you hear, there are seven tech, school, tech skills that are in high demand. I'm going to list these, and i got a question for you, Greg. Full stack development, mobile app development, web design, UX, UI design, CMS, content management system development, manual testing, and script and automation. So, Greg, out of all of those, you know, you've been there and done that. Uh, built companies, sold companies, all focused in the tech industry. What do you think is the hottest tech skill in demand? And maybe it's something that they left off this list. Uh, I would say it is by far full stack development. And if you can get full stack development, really, really good senior full stack development for 135 bucks an hour, do it. Um, because, you know, the, the benefit of contract contractors is the flexibility. If you need them today, you know, and you don't need them tomorrow, you use them today and you don't use them tomorrow. And they also get economies of scale because they're not just working for me, for you, which apparently is what a bunch of the laid off workers were also doing. They're not just working for you. They're working on their YouTube channel and they're working, they're working with other companies. So it, it's a relatively small impact to them um, and a relatively good savings still overseas, the usual places, India, Argentina, Eastern Europe, those are still far, far less than $135 an hour. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're depending on what you're looking for and maybe you're looking 
for someone more permanent, that's a great place to look. For the rest of these, frankly, if you're paying $250 an hour for web design, you are getting ripped off. Wow. Um, wow. Web design is, uh, the, uh, well, let me, let me discern that. They say web designers build websites. So if you're getting a website built for $250 an hour, absolutely overpaying. Now, people who design and, and create the wireframes and then create the, the design language for a website, that's different. But that's a shorter project. Mm-hmm. Absolutely do not pay $250 an hour for, for web design, for the actual building or coding of a website. There are too many templates out there. Um, and you, you almost would never start from scratch for a website now. Mm. So, um, UX and UI, I don't know about the rate, Scott, but don't you wish more people would use UX and UI design? (laughs) Absolutely. There's some websites out there and I'm not saying ours is, is going to win any awards, but uh, you know, there are some websites out there that you really, really could use that. And that to me, because it, represents your brand identity is really, really important. So, um, you know, some of the rest of these, I think are, uh, you know, manual testing, by the way, jumps out at me because that's the cheapest thing you can get done in India, Argentina, or, or, um, Eastern Europe. And it's certainly not 50 bucks an hour. So manual testers are the people who literally go through on the keyboard and try a bunch of combinations of keystrokes to try and break your system. Really? So, yeah, it is not a high brow job and it is definitely not 50 bucks an hour. Think of all of you people out there. Think about if you broke down your salary or maybe your hourly rate or, or monthly rate, however you bill or are paid. Um, do you get paid 50 bucks an hour? I doubt. <laughs> I doubt that many people do. And somebody who's just dinking around on a keyboard, absolutely not. Mm. They're again, there are much better places to have that kind of work done. So I, I do believe that these are all things that are um, in high demand. Some of these are kind of sucker rates because they are, um, you know, big companies who are finally coming in to, you know, into the web or into um, a digital transformation space. And you can take advantage of them because they're used to paying high prices. Right. Or the jobs are, are brokered by the big four accounting firms where they charge high prices and then they step on the step on the whatever they're paying. The, uh, sorry, they add they add step on it. They add, uh, you know, a, a cost on top of what they're paying these very talented people as well. So um, a lot depends on your situation. But that's the thing that really jumped out at me is some of these rates are just unbelievably excessive for um, gig workers. Yeah, I agree, especially if you look at uh, if you're on Upwork and Fiverr and, you know, comparing some of what you see out there, even real vetted um, yeah. uh, candidates with the rates we saw in the article. So there's good, a lot of good stuff there. Greg, appreciate your perspective. So, uh, and again, y'all can check out the link. Don't take our word for it. Y'all check out the link and let us know what your take is here. Um, and speaking, Tom, we're talking about what Chat GPT does. I think it's just those letters together, GPT. They give me uh, uh, mouth Olympics. 
Yeah, no, you're right. It's hard to say fast for sure. um, Yeah, especially fast. Uh, But Tom says, hey, you can use chat GPT to code a website for you. So check out that link. Um, All right. So, Greg, man, we we are just uh, used to when there's the two of us, we'd go 10 minutes over easy. But we're going to give our audience a little bit of a lot more efficient, I think. I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, but we're going to give our audience a few minutes back. Uh, but I want to touch on one thing before we leave. Because, folks, if there's any, there's so much need out there uh, across industry. And, you know, we talked about uh, uh, the good people in Turkey and Syria that are undoubtedly are going to need our help already. Uh, so fine, vetted nonprofits are really critical. You know, make sure you vet anytime you're giving money and resources. Make sure, man, the, the, the group is uh, it's got a, uh, a pristine reputation for the aid going to where it needs to go. Uh, along those lines, uh, talk about a vetted group that Greg and I know deeply, especially the leaders here uh, with Vector Global Logistics, Maureen and Enrique and Christy, their whole team. This thing has been, uh, re- regardless if Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has been top headlines or those days, unfortunately, where it slips down, you know, you don't hear, you, you go hours without hearing about it. That hasn't impacted these folks, constant leadership, outcomes-focused leadership, one iota. And we're really proud to, to support this, to um, be a part of it, and certainly promote what they're doing. And, Greg, this leveraging logistics for Ukraine, uh, it's been around, I think they launched about eight, nine months ago. Over 670,000 pounds of humanitarian aid has made it to folks desperately wow. in need. So the next planning session is tomorrow, February 7th, 11 a.m. Eastern time, folks. We got a link in the, in the chat. You don't have to commit to anything. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to give anything. You can show up, just get a sense of what's going on. But I can tell you, I can personally vouch for what Vector does and with this initiative and many others. Uh, and we need we need more Vector Global Logistics across uh, the landscape. Greg, your thoughts here around uh, the need, the initiative, Enrique and the team. The impact. So I just did the math real quick. 16, that's 16 trailer loads at 42,000 pounds a trailer load. So 16 53-foot trailers wow. worth of goods. So now they're, it's going in 20 or 40-foot containers, of course, because it's going by ocean. But um, still, that's a ton of stuff. And that's a huge impact for basically a, a bunch of pro- like-minded professionals who kind of cobbled together to, um, you know, to get – get these goods to these people in need. So yeah, I would say just observe it, just sit in and listen. I mean, even if you've already given or you feel led to give or you don't, and you're just curious, just pop on and listen because it's a really uh, fascinating discussion. You never know. You might just have a groundbreaking idea. And, and if that's all you contribute, that's perfect. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, and folks, we got the link right there. It's easy. Uh, you, you do need to register for the monthly session. But again, they're not going to hound you. They're not going to twist your arms. They're doing it and they're leading it. Uh, so y'all can just be a part of the conversation and soak it in. Greg, um, I know that you, uh, not that you support a lot of great efforts out there. And, and you've been, you've given me advice over our time working together about how to do that due diligence. Yeah. Um, when, you know, whether it's related to the devastating earthquakes or this one or all the, you know, nonprofits out there, how would you advise folks to do their homework? 
You saw me do this, didn't you? CharityNavigator.org is a really, really good one. There are others, but Charity Navigator does a great job scoring. Um, you know, they're, they are the best of the best. Uh, put 86% or more of the donations to work for the people in need. That means they keep their administrative costs low. Mm. It has become quite the thing out there for, and it's actually become a thing from people on YouTube to create your own 501c3 and pay yourself a whole bunch of money and give a little money away. But these, those can be exposed very easily by going to charity navigator and understanding that rating. Um, they do a rating as far as overall efficiency, and then they can report all the way down to the dollars that are, um, that are given versus received. So, uh, every legitimate charity has to fire file a form 990 with the, the internal revenue service. And, um, so that all the, all their information is out there. Wow. Y'all check that out. It's a great site. Charity navigator dot, dot org dot com. I can't remember. I've been using it for. It said dot org. It is it dot org. I'll check. Keep talking, Scott. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> First off, thank you, Nathaniel. Uh, he says, thank you for the channel and the content you put out. Super helpful as a college student studying this field with Nathaniel. Thank you for feedback. Let us know if you're yeah. if you're open to it. Where are you matriculating through? Try to say that word 10 times fast. Mm. Where are you going to school? Uh, and what do you want to do in supply chain? I'd love to kind of hear some of your responses there. And Gino comes through. I should have known it was an acronym for something. Generative oh, pre-trained transformer is what the GPT is. stands for. Thank you for that, Gino. Uh, Greg, I think you were looking up uh, that site. It is .org, charitynavigator.org. Check that out. And and a little side note, sometimes if the nonprofits are newer, um, uh, there might not be as much information. You'll have to find some other ways of doing the homework. Right, Greg? An excellent point. You can always ask them for their 990. So uh, um, if, if you don't go to Charity Navigator, um, you can always ask them for their 990. That is an excellent idea. I need to, um, that's great. Great to know. Great to know. Um, all right, folks. Um, thank y'all. Greg, any final, before I sign off here, before I sign off. Oh, Mark, Mark, <laughs> we did, we, we went almost a whole hour without mentioning the Chinese <laughs> fire balloon. I couldn't believe it. Mark says, was that a gender reveal balloon that flew over the U S this week? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go there just just because of this point, and that okay. is because um, some of you know that I have a place in uh, South Carolina and <laughs> off the coast of South Carolina, although upstate Redneck Riviera uh, near Myrtle <laughs> Beach is where it was shot down. Scott, it was hilarious. I can't believe we didn't talk about this before we came on the air. Hilarious, the text messages that I got of, hey, <laughs> I'll send you a bottle of scotch if you shoot it down. <laughs> Wasn't this thing flying at like 50,000 feet? Uh, 65,000. What was it? 65? 65,000 at its peak is what I saw. So approximately 25,000 feet above where any aircraft flies, any airliner aircraft, right? Wow. Commercial aircraft flies. Can you believe that? That was way up there. It's a wonder we could see it at all. And it also makes you wonder, how big was this thing? <laughs> Right, I mean, sixty-five thousand feet up there. Um, oh, we could we could go. We could talk oh man, about the memes. Oh, the memes have been so. Oh, good. the memes have been classic. Look, if you've missed the memes, 
Go look. They, they're all over Twitter. But uh, the memes are hilarious. It, well, one is a love letter from <laughs> Fang Fang to Eric Swalwell, who's a congressperson who was involved with the Chinese spy. Um, and um, just others, you know, blump, uh, Trump, Trump ones and all, just all kinds of stuff. It's hilarious. There's a meme of this couple, the husband's throwing a beer. <laughs> That's been a prevalent one. I doubt if anyone's missed that one. You know, so one, so I've long time Saturday Night Live fan. I don't watch nearly as much as I used to, but they had a great skit uh, uh, on Saturday night about the Chinese balloon. And, I, and I'm not even going to give, I can't, I'm not going to try to imitate it, but y'all, y'all Google that. They put a lot of their shorts on YouTube. So y'all check that out. Can I just say one more thing on this point is, Many years ago, I got to fly in an F-16 simulator, and um, it was the Air Force Air Force's version of the top gun for the Air Force who introduced us to this. And, of course, you go into a situation room before you go into the simulator, and he was talking to us, and he, he, get, he went through all of the other topics, and he said, now, let's talk about things like, um, what's your favorite ice cream? And I'm like, how is this relevant? to the flight, the upcoming flight. And he says, it's not, but I need to delay you for about 14 more minutes while we detune our, um, the simulator, because this is the, this is the secret of espionage. We already assume that our enemies have all the info, have information on what we, Mm -hmm. on what we do. What they don't know is what we know about what they do. And we're programming that out. Ah, so I, ah. while the uproar has been huge, and of course, this was a catastrophic failure on the part of the DOD, um, the damage is, is relatively minimal. There are satellites scanning us at all times, so don't panic, people. This balloon, it didn't, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't do much damage. I, I was having to pinch, Greg, I was having to pinch myself over the weekend. With some, some of the coverage was just so... Uh, cartoonish. Yeah, and I, I was like, "This is 2023. Is that right? Am I, right. Am I dreaming this? Is this real?" Right. Um, but hey, really quick, um, let's. I want to mention this. So Mark showed up. I just, uh, you know, Mark is a longtime friend, former colleague, doing big things out in the industry. And I had a chance, Greg, to sit down with Mark one on one a week or so ago, two weeks ago maybe, to pick his brain on uh, five. Tip tips five tips for uh, reinvigorating your continuous improvement initiatives. I mean, Mark has done this for uh, well, you know, Greg, you and I don't say over twenty years, uh, but Mark's done it a long time, driving industry wide, <laughs> right? Um, uh, in continuous improvement initiatives, especially in manufacturing, right? One of my favorite favorite sectors, and it was wonderful. I, I, I did a write up on Friday about his rattlesnake hunts, which I've been a part of, seen in action. And so I can I can testify to its effectiveness, not just from a driving results and wins, but man, the camaraderie and the esprit de corps that brings anything that instills that in teams, so then they can go on and and move other mountains. It was a great episode. We dropped it today, Amanda. If you could drop the link in the chat to the episode, that would be wonderful. Mark, home run, home run. Um, all right, so Greg, I think I, I'm, I'm I'm checking out my checklist here. The Chinese yeah. 
spy balloon was the very last thing on my list of 372 <laughs> things. That was the one we were hoping not to talk right. about. Right. Man. Right. That and the Grammys, but I guess we had to talk about them both. So that's right. And oh, by the way, congrats to Beyonce. Yes. For, 32. Uh, 32 Holy Grammys. Man. Who did, who was first before that? So it was a gentleman by the name of, uh, let's see. He, he was, I think he was a conductor of the, of the Chicago symphony. Cause I, 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 that was part of what I shared, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, okay. um, he led at 31. I can't remember his name. We'll see if, uh, Amanda and Catherine can hook me up, but Beyonce winning her 32nd last night. She's the all time winningest anyone at the Grammys. Hmm. Think about all the big names and, and the bands and the producers and the artists. I mean, holy cow, setting all-time history. Very, very special. Unbelievable musical talent there. Agreed. All right, folks, we dropped a link there to the episode I was just talking about. Um, it's a great practical uh, primer on how to drive improvements. Some great ideas by someone who's been there and done that time and time again. Uh, Greg, enjoyed the episode here at Supply Chain Buzz, folks. Yeah, uh, Always a pleasure, Greg, to knock out this conversation with you. I appreciate your expertise on all things tech in particular. And uh, look forward to uh, not next week's. You'll, we've got some folks. You're going to be on assignment next Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hopefully traveling back from Phoenix. Oh, but man. If, if not, um, my voice will be recovering from screaming at the television. Oh, that is awesome, man. That is all. Uh, and by the way, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Very good luck nice. to the Chiefs. Yeah. Now, you ask and we shall deliver George Solti. S-O-L-T-I was right. the all-time uh, winner prior to Beyonce. Uh, let's see. Throughout his four-decade-long career, this British-Hungarian had received 70 nominations, of which he won three. Or uh, I'm sorry. He won 31. Uh, good stuff there. All right. All right, folks. Uh, Greg, safe travels to you. Uh, thanks for being with, being with us here today. Big thanks to Catherine and Amanda folks behind the scenes making production happen and a little bit of research there. Thank you. Quick, yeah. very quick research. Hey folks, <laughs> thanks to everybody that showed up and dropped your perspective or resources or you name it in the chat. That makes the buzz so enjoyable and fulfilling on our end. Uh, but whatever you do, folks, whatever you do, Hey, find, find a way to move the needle and help those in need. There's so much, you know, and, and the terrible earthquakes are just the latest example. But do, as Greg and I are talking about, do your homework, make sure, you know, we really limit waste, right? And and make sure the aid gets to where it needs to go. And on that note, Scott Luton signing off for now, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, bye. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.